This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, at freetalklive.com. Mark's got an email. We'll get to that. But first, let's go unscreened to the amp line. Who's this? Hello, amp line. Going once. Actually, we may be having some problems here in the studio. I was switching some cables around, changing some equipment out earlier today, so it's possible that a wire is backwards. We will verify that here coming up. So in the meantime, Mark, let's go to your email box. Oh, let's. This is, uh, let me see if he signs it. Always comes in by people's names, but you don't want to just use their name. It's unsigned, so I'm not going to use his name. Uh, the gentleman says, I'd like to comment about homeschooling versus public schooling debate you had on Saturday's show. First, though, I'd like to make a couple of comments about Mark. First off, I'm really glad you're there because I don't think I could handle the show with just Ian or him and another anarchist. I know you don't like the, the term, Ian, but it's, uh, let's call a spade a spade. You can uh, say service nation is just code for socialism. Well, free marketeer and voluntarist are just code for nonviolent anarchist. But Mark, That's not true. Anarchy means no rules, and in the free marketplace, there'd be plenty of rules on private property. So I have to disagree with that. But, Mark, you say you're a small government guy, and whenever someone calls in to argue the no-government stance, you argue in favor of no, um, no government at all. How about some limited government arguments from time to time? But I digress. A second point is uh, on homeschooling. Whenever a caller says that homeschooling is inferior to public government education, you guys respond with something like, you've obviously never met a homeschooled kid. They're way smarter than public school kids. I've met several homeschooled kids, and uh, furthermore, my younger sisters were homeschooled for a good chunk of their academic career. I, fortunately, never was. Most of the homeschooled people I met um, when I was in high school, when I was in college, and now at 25 in the pseudo-work world, uh, a.k.a. the the Army, they've had lower-than-average social skills and a fairly limited understanding of any world history or scientific discovery that's taken place since biblical times. This is purely anecdotal and not based on any statistical analysis, but that's what I've seen. And I don't know, um, I, I don't know what, uh, I, I don't have statistics on homeschooled kids, but I can tell you that uh, 20% of them don't gradu- graduate functionally illiterate, which is what, um, 20% is what uh, generally comes out of uh, public schools. Functionally. Only, t- only 20%? Yeah, some, some schools is as high as 40. Huh, okay. So um, I'd say that homeschooling is better. Scientific the homeschool kids win all the exams and stuff, right? Um, yeah, scientific discoveries. I mean, yeah, you know, people that homeschool their kids are probably going to put a certain spin on things. Mm-hmm. And the place to put those spin, uh, that spin is world history and, uh, you know, science. I mean, they're not going to spin English, right? Probably not. They're not going to spin math. They're going to spin those things. Um, so I would say that there's probably some of that going on, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, they what are you going to do with that? Some some do, some don't. I don't know how many. I don't know the numbers. And he says it's an, his is anecdotal, too. There's no doubt uh, whatsoever that many homeschooled children do far better than public school kids on standardized tests, but they're quite often sitting at home learning just test material. That's what happens in public schools, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> public schools, uh, the teachers teach to test materials, and homeschool kids, um, I would say there's a lot more freedom in that um, arena. Their parents don't often remember much from school. Right. If you want to wait, wait. If you want to pass the SAT, then you have to learn how the SAT is taken, and the homeschool kids, if they want to get into college, have to take the SAT. 
So what do you expect them to do? If you're taking tests um, and tests indicate how well you're going to do in a, in a grade, then, well, yeah, that's what you're going to learn <laughs> because you're, you're doing this for the grade, right? Mm-hmm. That's what most of them are doing it for. I, I think that you have your whole life to learn about the things that you want to learn about. And I'm constantly learning about things like science and English and all kinds of stuff. I'm not paying much attention to math, I, I must admit. Not that I didn't like math. Math was my favorite uh, subject in school, but, you know, I, I just don't use it. All right. Um, sorry, I've, I've lost my place here. Their, their parents often don't remember much from school and just had their uh, them just hand them books and CDs to learn from. They don't have teachers who are well-versed in the material to ask questions who uh, can expand well, the child's understanding. Second. I had teachers in the government school system that literally taught out of a book. They literally opened up the teacher's edition of whatever class I was in, and they would just teach right out of the book. They'd read the chapter to the class, and they'd assign whatever uh, you know curriculum homework came with the book, because the books come with you know tests for each chapter, and they they come with tests for you know s- s- several chapters in a row, and they just hand you know they just xerox that stuff and hand it out. I mean, certainly there are some teachers that know their stuff. There's no doubt about well, it. I think, that, but I've seen the whole gamut of the government school. I think what you're talking about, let's say, take math for um, for a second here. Even if you're having a math teacher that teaches out of the book, they're not going to be stumped when you ask them a question. I likely would. Um, so I, I understand what he's coming from here, but I don't think that it matters whether the teacher knows that much. Um, you know, they're, they're a resource, but the child has other resources that they can go to mm-hmm. uh, besides, you know, having a teacher. And when a parent's passionate about a particular bit of, uh, you know, material, then they're going to teach it well in the same way that if, when you get lucky, when you roll the dice and get, get lucky and get a good teacher in a particular area, they're passionate about it and you, you remember that material much better. Some kids don't have parents that go the extra mile, but um, some kids do have parents that go the extra mile, but many, many don't. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, what can you say to this? Uh, I, I don't have the statistics. I'll bet you if I brought on the none of this the, is justification for forcing people to go to the government schools. I mean, just because some parents may have a lower interest level in their kids' learning abilities doesn't justify putting those people in a jail cell if they don't play along with the government rules, which is what inevitably happens to people if they don't participate with the government system. Probably not a jail cell, taking their kids away from them. Whatever. I mean, either, to, either way, it's bad. Try to think about the scenario. A, t- a parent says, I'm not going to fill out whatever government paperwork you have as far as sending the kid to, um, to public school. I'm just not going to do it. What's going to happen there? It's I mean, bad news, whatever it is. And it's likely the kid's going to be taken away because they're being abused in some way because the government isn't getting their paperwork. Right. Most parents, I think, do care about their kids. And if they don't know the answers to certain questions, then they'll seek out whatever experts they need to, whether it be through their homeschooling network of different parents that know different things, or whether it be hiring in a tutor or something right. like that. Sylvan Learning System is great for this. Um, and they're all over the United States. So I, I, I don't see the problem. I'm not in favor of forcing parents. This, you know, he, he had he had sisters that went through this. He claims that uh, he got a better education out of public school. That's his experience, and that's fine. I'm not in favor of forcing parents to send their children to public schools, and I think the current state of public school education is atrocious, and in many ways is more of a government indoctrination facility than a than a bastion of education. But I think the answer is privatized schools with minimal government interaction that is paid with a voucher system. I think public education is a necessity to a civilized society and that society at large should pay for it. If people don't have kids and they choose not to pay the tax, I don't – now listen to this. This is great. Really, this goes well. I don't think that um, their house should be taken away. 
In addition, I think taxes should be collected for the perp- for their purpose so that I would uh, I would have a education tax, not education funds from some property tax. So every tax should be collected for the purpose of what it's going to be used for, okay? He's trying to make the government work better. I think okay. <clears throat> I think that when education when an education tax is collected, a list of non-participants should be generated and available so that the community knows who's not to, um, chose not to participate and can choose to ask questions of them and then to ostracize them. Or in the case of business owners, perhaps boycott. You could uh, probably call it extortion if you like, but uh, you're not going to please everyone, and at least it allows people to choose to not pay. Okay, I whatever. Think, uh, <laughs> If you're not going to put me in a jail cell or steal my house or take my other possessions from me then, or my kids or whatever, then okay. Well, I, I think that it's it, it's a step in the right direction, and I like steps. There they, you go. The system I envision is a series of charter magnet-type schools, parochial or secular, that are paid for with tax-appropriated vouchers for each student. The voucher would have a dollar value based on the amount of money in the system. The schools would compete for students based on curriculum and price. Which why does it have to be so complicated? I mean, why? Uh, what is with these people? And I understand that he's being nice and saying he won't throw anyone in a jail cell, but... Why, why does he have this love for centralized bureaucracy? I mean, he's saying that he wants to This is to just have... a fund, dude. This is essentially a fund. This is Operated taking... by who? The, well, the, 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 government this... bureaucrats, right? Well, the fact is there wouldn't be government, bu- it wouldn't be government bureaucrats if it's optional. That's, that's just the nature of it. Um, so it, it's taking the current uh, school tax system and turning it into something optional. All right. Well, good luck to you on that, setting all that up, buddy. 800-259-9231. <laughs> that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Luckily, no one ostracizes me because I choose to shop at Walmart or Target or whatever. What about More the old the people way. that won't have any kids? free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download right there from the front page of the website for your downloading convenience going back for an entire year. We do it all free, so enjoy at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we continue this time with your phone calls, Dave is on the line calling from the People's Republic of Somewhere. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, you heard anything about Helena, West Helena, and the curfew over there? Is this the 24-hour curfew thing? Yeah. Yep, I actually had that in my show prep for tonight, as a matter uh, matter of fact. Do you want to clue us in? Uh, well, no, I'll let you do that. I just wanted to mention a couple things that I, I was doing a little more searching on the web. It says, the street and sanitation department has been directed to clean all alleys in the area, remove all debris and low-lying shrubbery that impedes the view of the police and the general public. And also, they got a little... Three strikes and you're out of your house rule during this curfew. If they find anybody violating three laws, then I guess they get evicted from their home. Wow. Yeah. That's all I got. Remember, yeah. obedience is freedom, John. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate the call. I have uh, pulled up the details here, uh, both from InfoWars and WXVT. 
First, the story here uh, is apparently areas of a town in Arkansas have been placed under a 24-hour nonstop curfew described by the mayor as almost akin to martial law. The lockdown, issued after a spate of robberies, home invasions, and shootings, applies to everyone in Helena, West Helena, uh, West Helena, no matter what age or time of day it is. Mayor James Valley has indicated the curfew could be extended indefinitely. Residents have described the lockdown as like being in jail, and critics have slammed it as unconstitutional given that it effectively suspends the Fourth Amendment. The ACLU of Arkansas has sent a mayor, uh, sent Mayor Valley a letter outlining these concerns. Imposing house arrest and suspending sure, the, he's for- deeply concerned. the Fourth Amendment for law-abiding people is only going to cause more problems for this city. According to the ACLU, they need to work with the community to get this resolved instead of treating all of their citizens like criminals. Such domestic surges with police imposing a martial law-style clampdown are now seemingly becoming standard procedure. There are countless examples in recent months and years of curfews and lockdowns going into place in all areas across the country. As you recall, if you've been listening to this show, about two months ago, Trinidad, a troubled so-called community in North D.C., was uh, subject to police checkpoints after a series of shootings. Earlier this year, curfews for minors were introduced in Chicago. Back in April, they reported on the fact that federal law enforcement agencies co-opted sheriff's office as well as state and local police forces in three states for a vast roundup operation that one sheriff's deputy described as martial law training. The anti-crime and anti-terrorism initiatives involving officers from more than 50 federal, state, and local agencies was dubbed Operation Sudden Impact. And as we reported earlier... They love those little names. This month, presumptive Republican nominee John McCain told the National Urban League that military-style invasions modeled on the surge in Iraq should be adopted to control inner-city crime right here in the United States. He said, this is McCain's quote, and some of those tactics you mentioned the war in Iraq are like that we use in the military. You go into neighborhoods, you clamp down, you provide a secure environment for the people that live there. And you make sure that the known criminals are kept under control. And you provide them with a stable environment, and then they cooperate with law enforcement, etc., etc. Apparently he actually said etc., etc. So, <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, that's the latest. I'll see if I can dig some more info up on this story out of... Uh, Helena. In fact, here is a little bit from WXVT. The mayor, James Valley, says he ordered round-the-clock curfew because the neighbor was under the neighborhood was under siege. This is a ten-block section of Helena, West Helena, in Arkansas, under siege with repeated gunfire, loitering, drug dealing, and other general mayhem. So, isn't this an acknowledgement that government police do not keep you safe? I mean. The whole idea about government police is like we when we talk about private protection services, people get scared because they think that if the government police aren't on the streets, then, you know, chaos will run wild. Well, doesn't Helena have a police department? Pretty sure they do. Why is it that uh, there's all this violence going on if the police are out there keeping people safe? Well, clearly they're not, and the police's only response is to crack down ever further on anybody who might happen to be semi-free in the area. And now you have to go and uh, essentially ask permission 
from the police to uh, move about. Valley ordered the emergency curfew Thursday effective immediately. It was still in place as of, uh, I guess, a couple days ago. He said it would remain in place as long as the problems persist or until the city council can come with a long-term plan at its August 19th meeting. Thursday night, 18 to 20 police officers carrying M16 rifles, shotguns, and night vision scopes patrolled the curfew zone. They arrested about eight people and confiscated drugs and loaded weapons. Under Mayor Valley's order, officers do not tolerate loitering or hanging out. Officers can stop and investigate all foot traffic, bicycle, horseback, moped, motorcycle, riding mower, golf cart, or other means of transportation. And golf carts. So is this a problem? There you go. The ACLU has demanded that the mayor lift the order immediately, but what does he care what the ACLU says? He's not going to be responsible. Even if uh, the ACLU ACLU is going to take him to court and they're going to win, Mm quote-unquote. And in the process, the judge is going to say, well, what they did here was uh, was too much, but they'll still get, uh, you know, inches. They'll they'll have taken feet, and then they'll have to take two, you know, some steps backwards, but they'll have gained ground. Yeah, the judge could say, well, it's... Gained ground against your freedom. Yeah, the judge could say something like, well, it was okay to stop all the traffic, but... uh, Not the golf carts and not the... not the lawnmowers. I mean, can you believe this? I don't know what to think about what, it. I'm now, sorry. I wonder... It, well, you'll, pro- you'll probably see this in a lot more places. Like yeah. they were mentioning, it sounds like politicians such as John McCain seem to think it's a good idea. Absolutely. So we've seen it in D.C. and we've seen it in Helena, Arkansas within the last couple of months. And where do you draw the line at calling it martial law, just because they're police officers as opposed to the military, yeah. if they're equipped with night vision and M16s, and there's a there's a curfew in effect, so you can't leave your home. What what effectively is the difference between whether it's the police outside well, or the national guard? Well, it's not it's not martial law if you're just talking about regular crime. It you know it had to have been some kind of mass riot produced over some incident to actually be martial law. You know if they would have clamped down in L.A. No, after, I don't know about after, that. I'm just I'm I'm only being um, sort of funny about oh, it. Oh okay. That people won't consider it martial law unless it came after sort of the Rodney King things, uh, or the Watts okay. riots, or um, something like that. So and, if one person gets murdered and the cop you know, spread out through the streets with shotguns and M16. That's not martial law. Well, I think you could if it's one person getting murdered. But here in uh, what what is it, Helena, West Helena? Helena? Yeah, Helena and West Helena. Okay, that it's two places Helena. with one mayor. Apparently. Okay. Um, so the Helena, then <laughs> the um, in this case, you just have crime, crime problems. It, there's a bunch of incidences. If there was one incident that you could point to that say this sparked it all, then you would have martial law in most people's mind. Well, the only person that said this wasn't martial law was the mayor. He said it was almost akin to martial law. And I bet the people that are living in uh, this 10-block zone, this curfew zone, 24-hour curfews where every single person could be stopped by armed uh, blue light gang members, armed police, this is some scary stuff. And what would you do if this came to your town? How would you handle this? Love your ideas. Dial in. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. 
And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who have taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Fortune Magazine calls LegalZoom.com blessedly simple. LegalZoom.com provides all the necessary incorporation documents, ensures that they're all filled out correctly, and filed with the appropriate government authority. As for as, as little as $139 plus filing fees, you can get... Uh, Excuse me, you can get $10 off by using code FTL at LegalZoom.com. That's LegalZoom.com. All right, we're going to get back to the phones, but there's more on this story out of Helena, Arkansas, which is probably one of the more disturbing ones of the year. The... A couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it's a couple months at this point, but anyway, a little while back, Washington, D.C. also imposed a curfew on a, a particular neighborhood, the Trinidad neighborhood in Washington, D.C., uh, for the same excuses. Oh, there's a lot of crime around here. We need to crack down and stop people from driving through here. But in D.C., they only stopped people that were driving through, from my understanding. So you could have been on foot, uh, and you would have been okay. In Helena, Arkansas, they are stopping everyone. Anybody who goes into this particular zone that they've uh, designated, it was a 10-block zone initially, they will be they they are subject to being stopped by the police and questioned. In fact, there's uh, a few stories. Uh, one of them says that people that are stopped, all young people will have to stay indoors, and adults will be asked questions to verify that they have a reason to be outside. So if you don't have a reason to be outside, apparently, whatever that means, I don't know if walking down the street and looking at the trees is enough of a reason to be outside. Well, they'll just be asked what their reason is, I suspect. Right, but if the reason isn't appropriate, according to the police, they won't be allowed outside their houses. And it's now the the story we read uh, for you a few moments ago was from a couple of days ago. So here's the latest on the situation. Now, the ACLU is blowing up, making a big deal out of this, and they're saying, you know, we're, fi- we're going to file a lawsuit and everything. Well, here's the latest as of today, this afternoon. Police, this according to uh, pbcommercial.com, the Pine Bluff commercial uh, newspaper in southeast Arkansas, P- uh, police will expand their 24-hour curfew beyond the 10 blocks, now watched by officers armed with military rifles and night vision goggles, stopping and questioning anyone who passes by. Police Chief Fred Fielder said the patrols, which began last week, have netted 32 arrests in the small town. that's a good thing, right? Right, right. Well, let's find out. Just let me check over here. Let's see. What were the arrests? Because they actually broke it down in the press release from the city of Helena. Two simultaneous possessions of drugs and firearms. Okay, nonviolent. Seven possessions. Well, uh, I don't know that that's considered nonviolent by the uh, legal code, but it is nonviolent. It's nonviolent in that it, you haven't hurt anybody. Correct. Right? Okay. Seven possess, seven arrests uh, for people possessing with intent to deliver. So they got some people with a couple bags of marijuana or something like that. Uh, again, no, nonviolent, peaceful people. One fugitive warrant served. Uh, I guess that's somebody that they were looking for, but that could be somebody that, uh, you know, is driving around without their car registration or something like that. It, that kind of person could have a warrant out for them. Our friend Sam from Texas believes he has a warrant out for his, his arrest because he was a failure to appear at uh, one of his court trials. So just because it's a warrant doesn't necessarily mean they're looking for some violent criminal. Number four, uh, mis- or four rather, they arrested four people for misdemeanor possession of firearms, again, nonviolent, uh, two arrests for misdemeanor possession of marijuana, 18 existing outstanding warrants. 
And then there's a, a seven that were arrested for suspended driver's license. Eight FTA. I'm not sure what FTA stands for. Failure, failure to fa- appear. Failure to appear. I would like say. Sam, then. Uh, and three, no driver's license. So of their, uh, you know, several dozen arrests, not a single person was an actual violent criminal that we can tell from, from their own statistics. But anyway, let's get back to what's going on. Remember, the police are now expanding the uh, ten blocks. So it was ten blocks. They're now expanding it out. And uh, a lawyer for the ACLU warned city leaders that police stops of passersby violated the constitutional rights of those passing through any guarded neighborhood. However, why should they be concerned? The individual police officers and the mayor who called for these, uh, this curfew have no responsibility. Even if the ACLU sues on behalf of all these people that were victimized uh, and had their time wasted uh, by these police at, at these curfew locations... Even if they win the lawsuit, the mayor is not going to have to pay out. He's not going to lose his job. The uh, the police department, the police chief, and the, uh, the individual officers are not going to be held responsible for this. Nope. They may be ordered to stop, but that's not going to compensate all of these individuals for the harassment that they've experienced. So the government people understand these things. They understand that they can really get away with most of this with impunity, and the only way they can be stopped is if some man in a robe says they have to stop. Anyway, there's more to the story. The Helena West Helena City Council voted 9 to 0, so not even a single dissenter on the city council in this case, uh, to allow police to expand the program into any area of the city. The council said those living in the city want random shootings and drug-fueled violence to stop, no matter the cost. According to the mayor, now if somebody wants to sue us, they have an option to sue, but I'm fairly certain that a judge will see it the way the citizens see it here. See, he's speaking for everyone in Helena. He says the citizens deserve peace, that some infringement on constitutional rights is okay, and we have not violated anything as far as the Constitution. Well, if you can infringe some infringe somewhat on the Constitution, then you violated it. Well, he says they haven't. You know, it, it says that it shall not be infringed. You know, well, that's he the says it. Well, now it's the general welfare, Mark. They're looking out for people. Uh, that's that's the United States government's uh, purview is the general yeah. welfare. It is not the mayor's. Among the curfew operations arrests, uh, then they, they talk about ten were felony charges. Uh, the, the police chief said the officers in the field carry military-style M16 or M4 rifles, some equipped with laser sights. They just love their big boy toys, don't they? Officers, uh, some of them carry short-barrel shotguns, and those, as those dealing crack cocaine and marijuana in the city, carry pistols and AK-47 assault rifles. We've had people call us expressing concern for their children. They had to sleep on the floor because of stray bullets said the police chief. He said officers hadn't arrested anyone for violating the curfew, only questioned people about why they were outside. Those without good answers or acting nervously get additional attention. Right. See, I don't think that you're actually sent home for being outside for a bad reason, whatever they might deem as a bad reason. I think you're just asked, why are you outside? What are you doing out here? But failure to give what they deem a correct answer could be enough to search you. I mean, saying I'm taking a walk might be probable cause to... You know, pat you down. However, it could be. Such stops likely violate residents' constitutional rights to freely assemble and protections against unreasonable police searches, said lawyer for the ACLU. Because of that, uh, Ms. Dixon from the ACLU said convictions, any bit convictions coming from the arrest would likely be overturned. She said the residents of these high-crime areas are already victims. They're victims of what are happening in the neighborhoods, and they're victims of fear. But them to be subject to unlawful stops and questioning, that's not going to ultimately help this situation. The council rejected her claims at one point questioning 
questioning the Little Rock-based attorney if she'd live if she'd live in a neighborhood they described as under siege by wild gunfire and gangs. As far as I'm concerned, at three o'clock in the morning, nobody has any business being on the street except the law," said Councilman Eugene Red Johnson. "Anyone out at three o'clock shouldn't be out on the street unless you're going to the hospital." Well, I'm sure that there are people that do their jobs out of 3 o'clock in the morning, coming home from their jobs. How about uh, uh, people that work at uh, bars leaving their, the bar and driving home? How about anybody that just likes to be out at night? I mean, what? J- you, just because you like the daytime doesn't mean there aren't night owls out there that really enjoy the cool... You know, it's, it's Arkansas. Kind of hot down there right now. If you want to take a nice walk or something like that, then the nighttime might be a good time to do that. And overnights, you know, if you get up real early, for instance, would be a, the, the time when things are the coolest. They've had all night to cool down. And I think they have businesses like 7-Eleven and Denny's that are 24 hours for a reason. I mean, mm. there are people who are out there, and I yeah. honestly don't think it's all... All gang members who are going to 7-Eleven and Denny's at 3 I know in the that uh, when I was living by myself, I would often uh, do my shopping at Walmart at, you know, early in the morning because, well, it was easy to get in and out. You always got a good parking space. Yep. You never had to w- deal with people. And it was I, I, generally there were within a month period, I'm going to have some night where I have some kind of trouble sleeping. So I might as well go to Walmart. It's just madness uh, what is going on here, and you can expect to see more of this over time. However, if you live in the Upper Crust neighborhoods, you'll probably be exempted from this, because uh, it turns out that the entirety of Helena Helena is one of the poorest uh, regions of the nation, apparently. So remember, these things will only be targeted at the inner cities to begin with. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features are free. Enjoy those on us. If you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is that you're buying, there are over 41 categories to shop in. You'll get free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of the items that you'll buy and feel good because free talk live is getting a cut if you enter through amazon.freetalklive.com just a few more comments real quick and then we'll get to your phone calls here about this uh, awful awful situation happening in west helena arkansas which according to the pine bluff commercial is one of the poorest uh, regions of the nation and there's a lot of crime there apparently a lot of gunshots gang violence and that sort of thing and the police's response has been to crack down and create a curfew for everybody. Not just the police, the mayor. It's coming right. from the top. 24 hours a day, and they've expanded the curfew zone out to the entire city. So the police may target anywhere in Helena. And as I said before, it's a low kind of income, uh, poor area of the country, which is where you're going to see these things. In Trinidad, in Washington, D.C., again, another poor area of D.C., lots of violence, gangs, that sort of thing. But the reason why gangs are active in these areas is because of the war on drugs. That's the number one reason why there's gang violence, gang activity whatsoever, because of prohibitions, not just drugs, but also prostitution, gambling, uh, guns, anything that's prohibited, the gangsters make that their business because they can 
can make all kinds of money off of it. So the solution is not to crack down with the police and destroy everybody's freedom, which is what they're doing. The solution is to return to true freedom and liberty where each individual can make decisions for themselves about what to buy and from whom to buy it. If you want to buy drugs, you should be able to go to the store and buy some of it. And if the uh, if all these illegal drugs were no longer illegal and they were available to anybody that wanted them, then what would the gang members, and especially if you could get uh, prostitutes legally and guns legally, what would the gang members do to make money? Protection. Yeah, but they'd actually have to, like, initiate violence on people in order to, I mean, because if people didn't want their protection, then they'd initiate violence on them, and then they could die, you know. So then the gang members are going to start dying because people are actually carrying the weapons that they need to protect themselves well, instead of well, expecting the police to do it for uh, them. Gang members currently die at pretty high rates. I mean, there's lots of shootings over drug turf, so I don't know that... The, the potential for risk or injury would necessarily deter certain violent individuals. You probably see a lot fewer because I'm sure the profit margins in protection would be quite well, a bit less. Well, and the gangs would be less likely to be formed, at least in the way that they are today, because, again, there's no profit necessarily if you're not dealing in prohibited products. If all you're doing is robbing people, it's going to be hard to have organized crime surrounding that. Maybe a couple guys, you know, three or four guys in a, you know, just walking down the street harassing people or, or breaking into houses, but to actually have some sort of organized mafia you're going to need some serious cash flowing into your organization for that. In our current system, um, you know, with the amount of money that people make, it's, it doesn't make much sense that uh, gangs would be doing protection. Uh, kids wouldn't, young kids wouldn't band together to, you know, protect each other in gangs because, well, you know, they just don't do that currently. Um, and then you wouldn't have a, a situation where. Uh, you know, people can't afford a security company to watch over because I can tell you if some gang member comes in and says that, uh, hey, we're watching over you now, we're protecting you, that'll be, uh, you know, $100 a week or whatever whatever it is that they're going to charge mm-hmm. me, I'm going to pay 200 a week to a security company to make sure that those guys don't give me any trouble. Yeah. I don't have any problem with it. So this and that's is assuming I don't uh, smoke one of them for standing right there. This is a terrible solution. It's not going to result in anybody being any more safe, and I just... I dread what's coming for this country because this is just awful. And we'll keep our eyes on these things and continue to bring you any further developments as we become aware of them. And if you become aware of them and we're not talking about it, call in like uh, the gentleman earlier, Dave, who called in to bring our attention to the story. Uh, let's continue with your calls about what you want. It's Kurt in Michigan on the amp line. Hello, Kurt. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you tonight? What's Good. on your mind? Well, um, I just wanted to say that I'm so glad that I live in the USS of A, mm. and I'm wondering if we should replace the stars on our flags with uh, hammers and sickles. What do you think? Why is that? Oh, well, because we've turned into the United Soviet Socialist States of America. You know, we're the USSA. I'd say that there's some disturbing parallels between uh, what I heard about the Soviet Union uh, when I was growing up and what we currently have on going on today. I would say that uh, it could be worse because today the uh, we've got technology and the government has access to uh, really crazy technology that the Soviets would have, I mean, salivated to get their hands on, but they could only, you know, it was only their wet dream, if anything, at that time. So the uh, the fascist socialist state can be ever more controlling than it could have been 50 years ago. So I should have had that dripping with more sarcasm. I'm so glad I live in the U.S.S. of A. So what else do you have for us tonight, Kurt? Well, um, uh, Sheila Bear is the chairman of the FDIC, obviously been in the news quite a bit recently. And I read a little article about her. She's a a part-time children's book author, you know. And she wrote a book called Rock, Brock, and the Saving Shock. And it's a story of twin brothers. 
Rock stows away his cash that he earned from chores, and, and rocks splurges all on, on whatever he wants, on whatever toy he wants. Of course, the upshot is is that um, uh, Rock establishes a, a, uh, a joint savings account and gets bailed out by his brother, which is kind of the thing they want to teach children, and I thought that that was kind of telling, especially since Sheila Bear used to teach at the University of Massachusetts. So the, um, the, the kid that is the poor saver, he establishes a joint savings account with a good saver and uh, then gets bailed out by the good saver? Yes, he gets bailed out by the good saver after he spends all his money. And she, so she calls actually, that a good thing? Again, the, the, well, the person, the person who does the, makes the right decision gets punished for it by being required to pay for the person who does the wrong thing, who gets not only all of his money... But half of the other good person's money. I don't understand. I mean, it, it seems like a really ob- it, it seems like a good story for people that uh, don't want to be punished for people's bad actions. But it it sounds like you're saying that this woman uh, supports somebody making you know bad choices and then getting bailed out by that's somebody what it who does. Yeah, that is what it sounds like. Well, that's why she's the head of the FDIC. I'm bad. Right, she's a government bureaucrat, yeah. and you're saying she wrote this children's book in which these the things you described happens. Correct. Well, th- tell yeah, me it. Tell. Tell me at the end that this Brock fella who uh, isn't so good with his money at least learns his lesson. Well, I, I haven't read the book. I just read the synopsis. But, it, you know, I, I guess the lesson he learns is that he can spend his money in any way he wants, and then someone will come and bail him out. Yeah, Big Brother comes along to help him out, which is what's going on with uh, these bailouts. Whether you're a company or whether you're somebody that got into a mortgage that you, you wouldn't be able to afford once the rate adjusted, uh, Big big Daddy government's coming to steal money from every single person in society via inflation by printing it out and, uh, and, and, and bail these wanna, people out. And they want to teach our children that that's the thing that should happen. Mm. That's what scares me the most. Yep. Yep, just another reason to get to New Hampshire as quickly as possible. Join the Free State Project if you haven't done so, because, man, this country is in a bad way. Kurt, thanks for the call, man. 800-259-9231. There's... <laughs> don't wait. I mean, if you can come sooner rather than later, I have to encourage you to come sooner, because the more activists we can get here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, uh, sooner the better. I mean, there's just no there's no way around that. If you wait and wait and wait, then things are just going to get worse before they get better. And if you get here sooner, then they could get better sooner. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Frank in New York City. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Frank? Good. I wanted to clarify a few points regarding the the martial law discussion. Okay. Number one, martial law means military law. Under state of martial law, the civil process of adjudication, be it local, state, or federal, uh, is suspended. So you follow a code of military conduct, which may mean if you're out on the street at 7.30, when you're to be in at 6, the soldiers can shoot to kill, depending on the orders and how that's set up. But the state of martial law can only be declared by the governor of a state or by the federal government, primarily the uh, president of the United States. So what would so you call what's going on in Helena, Frank? declaring martial law is illegal and it violates everyone's bill of rights in the process of due process. What would you call if it's not if you're if it's not called martial law what they're doing with this curfew down in Helena with the police being able to uh, tote around M16s and M4s with laser sights and stop anybody anywhere at any time for any reason and harass martial them. Martial law can only be declared by an actual order. Right, what would you and call this though? The order of martial law is 
you know, it's actually a legal document. Yeah, what would you but call this, though? I mean, would you just call it a curfew? Yes, do all the legal things, specific procedure. Frank, would you call this a curfew? I mean, it, because it certainly seems, yeah, it seems like martial law. But the point is, you have to question, does the mayor or does the police chief have that authority? And apparently not. So well, apparently they do, because the there are police all in the street. In and, and challenging it. Yeah, but they, that hasn't done anything to stop it, so... No, but the point is, what it will do, what it, what, what it will mean is that they won't be able to do it again after it goes to yeah, court. we'll see they about that. They will actually that. define the situation. Yeah, and I hope you're right. And if the right. mayor or the police chief... I wouldn't get my hopes up, though. ...they can be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Thank you, Frank, now, for the call tonight. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up, we'll tell you about a couple that were arrested... Because they didn't pay $10 in tax. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. As we go right into your phone call, still to come, the story about a couple folks that were arrested over a $10 tax bill. But first, we go to your calls. Jeremy is on the line listening in Montana. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. I'm very sorry to hear about him. I very much was advocating for you all to remain on the air there. Um, I don't know what happened. Lord knows what um, you know what happens when I leave Mon- I mean, uh, northwest Montana anyway. I'm just happy you guys are still there and willing to take my call. Sure. Uh, we're definitely Not your still... fault. So, so you actually called in tonight, even though you aren't listening on the radio, as you used to be able to. Well, right, because I know... But, you know, I'm on the line, you know, to be waiting, so I understand what your stories are, and and uh, I'm just uh, sorry that uh, the lady there, which is the daughter of John Stokes... Uh, didn't went over because she really advocated for you guys. Right, also. right. You're talking about our uh, our affiliate KGEZ, who I believe is still on our Saturday program. I'm not sure what else what else they're carrying at this moment, trying to iron all that out. But anyway, uh, it was like I guess a big uh, family fight between uh, the station owner John Stokes and his daughter Elizabeth, who was the programmer. She was really going to bat for us as she always has, and just didn't work it's out. I guess a fight between all of us, you know. Yeah. And when comes the day, you know, that we leave all our BS aside and start to stand together. And I'm not talking about kumbaya, boy. Yeah. Uh, be- <laughs> Good save. Good, Good save. save. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. I understand. Uh, but, you know, some people are going to be intolerant of the uh, the Liberty Viewpoint, and that's just something we have to deal with uh, doing this program. Jeremy, good hearing from you. Have a great night, and thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. You know, we understood when, uh, when we started doing this kind of iconoclastic radio that it just wasn't going to be for everybody, and eventually there was going to be certain listeners that were offended and certain radio stations that don't really know how to handle offended listeners. You well, know, the, and there's radio stations that build niches, 
and uh, you wouldn't put us on your uh, sports talk station, would you? No, that would be silly. Okay. Well, KGEZ has a uh, you know a niche that they've built for themselves there in uh, Kalispell, and which is a great thing. And fringe conspiracy radio, and we just go. don't we just don't fit that. I mean, I guess that's kind of a good thing, right? Although, again, they still have us on to some extent. Just trying to figure out when that is. Anyway, let's continue here. Cassidy is on the line, listening in Athens to WAIS. Hello, Cass- uh, Cassidy. Cassidy, Hello? you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, great, awesome. Okay, well, I have actually several different topics I'd like to discuss. I don't know um, how many we'll get through, but go through, uh, get to your most important one, and let's start with that and see how it goes. Okay, well, it's concerning female colleagues getting paid less than their male counterparts. And Athens, Ohio is home of Ohio University, and this is a major topic in this area. I mean, um, are, do, are you listening to the radio right now in the background? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you got to turn your radio down, or it's going to confuse oh, okay, the hell sorry. out of you. Um, yeah, no wonder it was getting. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, Cassidy, uh, do, do you do you have some thoughts on it? I mean, you know, or yeah. Well, most definitely. Um, the female, the women professors and other faculty around here at OU are are at the end of their ropes right now, especially because president of the university just got a $300,000 a year raise when all of the faculty and staff are, like, practically, I mean, they're, it's hard to make ends meet. Sure, all the, I mean, all the professors Ohio are poor. Is, or Athens County is one of the poorest counties in Ohio, let alone the United States, and... I mean, I just find it completely unfair that women that are more qualified and have more tenure than their male counterparts are getting paid less. It must be frustrating. Why do they keep working for those people if they're not treating them right? Well, I think the problem is it's hard for women to get hired anywhere just because of the job market the way it is. But um, I don't understand why that would be. I don't promises. I... Why would that be so? Why would it be so hard for women to get hired anywhere? I mean, if a woman is 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 uh, talented enough and is qualified for the job, there's no reason why she shouldn't get it. You could maybe say that there just aren't enough academic jobs out there, and that they have to take those jobs if they want to work in the world of academia. That might be a possibility. Like there just aren't any other options. Well, I the possibility. I think it's more of the um, false promises that OU has been giving their employees for years and years, and. They're just fed up at this point. They're talking about unionizing. They've been doing that for a while. Why don't they just go start their own school? I, I don't mean, have any problem with union, um, you know, people unionizing as long as they don't go to the government for, uh, yeah. you know, for, for to back their union. Right. Cassidy, I wish them the best of luck. What was the other issue you wanted to cover tonight? Well, I, I wanted um, to, uh, Cassidy, before you, go, before you go on, I wanted to address this. Teams. I'm not really sure where I was going to go with that. Um well, well, hang on a second, Cassidy. Mark had a comment. If if we could, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. So Cassidy, hold on for just a moment. Let Mark, why don't you slip I, in that comment? Well, I, there. I wanted to make a point on uh, female workers, and I don't think that any employer that makes promises to people and reneges on those promises, um, I I think that's a bad employer, and people shouldn't work for them. But one of my thoughts is is that. 
you know, when you're looking at males and females as far as employability, you're looking at women and they're going to get this uh, condition. Call it an illness. Call pregnancy. It preg- call it pregnancy. Call it whatever you want. That's likely to take them out of work one, two, three times in their uh, you know work years. And I think to some extent that makes them less valuable employees to an employer. Now I don't think that that's true necessarily in the uh, in in the academic setting, but I think overall. It's just it's just a reality of nature that you know women are going to be out in pregnancy and guys aren't going to be out as much and that just makes male workers to some extent more valuable. What do you think about that, Cassidy? Are you still there? A third of what their male counterparts are. They're making a third. Yeah. Well, I, it it seems unfair to me. Yeah, I mean, if oh, I were yeah, hiring. Completely. If I were hiring a woman, I, th- I think that uh, to address the pregnancy concerns, Mark, if there weren't so many governmental regulations dealing with, you know, what government or what uh, companies have to do for pregnant women as far as, you know, if you get pregnant, you have to have your job waiting for you when you come back, and it has to be at the same pay scale, and, you know, there's a lot, from what well, I understand. Also, and then also there's this thing about how men get pregnancy leave now, too. Which, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't think that the government that. should be mandating anybody's uh, pregnancy leave or anything like that. Personally, I think it should. I think that uh, right. employment is a contract between two entities, and uh, that's that's where it so should be left. If I were an employer and I didn't have to deal with this uh, awful governmental regulation uh, situation with uh, women workers, I would like to have a you know a contract with them to where they understand that as long as they don't get pregnant, they can have uh, the same sort of uh, rate that their uh, male counterparts will. But if they're going to get pregnant, and then they understand well, that right. I do ideally, have, I do reserve the ideally, right to hang on a second, Cassidy. That I would reserve the right to go ahead and demote them or possibly eliminate their position because if you're going to walk out of my business, then I don't owe you anything. So I would put that into my contract, and then they'd have the same exact rate. They'd get paid the same rate, and if they decided to get pregnant, they would be um, terminating the agreement. Well, it's like, well exactly, and that's what the university has done is terminated their agreements with these female faculty and staff, and 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 then they're giving the president of the United or sorry of the university a three hundred thousand dollar a year raise. When you say which, they terminated their agreements, what do you mean by that? They're still working there, right? Well, they're still working there, but they haven't gotten the raises that they've been promised. Mm. Yeah, well, that's where I would say you either go in there and you you talk to uh, maybe unionizing is a good idea, but otherwise you could go in and tell these people, look, you know, you like my services. If I'm a valuable employee, you need to give me what you promised me, or I'm going to go find somewhere else to work. I mean, if they're not making that much at the university, then they could certainly make not that much at flipping burgers or something like that. Well, the thing is, I mean, the university is the highest paying employer in. Area, well, then it's, they can't be that bad. Then. Then, it's, then it's hard to complain about yeah. that. Thanks for the call, Cassidy, and I uh, hope to hear from you again. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I know she had more to talk about, but uh, Dave is also on the line in the same area, so we'll see what he thinks about the situation that she described, and take your calls about whatever you want. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us again, freetalklive.com. And the features include the wiki, over 1,700 pages, created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website 
wiki.freetalklive.com. So I've started taking a uh, new dietary supplement. It's uh, I guess I've been taking it for about two weeks now, and it's called Dexy 20. And the idea behind it is is that uh, it, it 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 does some stuff to break down fat in in your body, but uh, it's mostly from what I can tell, for me at least, it's an appetite suppressant. I'm no scientist or anything like that, but. Um, it, it seems to be working. It used to be that I would I would eat my meal and then at the sort of the end of the meal I'd have to make a decision as to whether or not I wanted to eat some more or mm-hmm. stop. And I knew that it wasn't good to continue eating, but I just had this sort of greedy feeling at the yeah. end of the meal. It's eliminated that particular portion of me eating and resulted so far in me losing a couple of pounds. Not bad. It, it, it's, you know, when I only have a 10 or 15 pounds to lose, it's not too bad. Those ten or 15, last 10 or 15 pounds are always the hardest. It's C 20 if you're interested in trying to lose weight, uh, Dexy 20 seems like a very easy way to do it. I haven't changed my I haven't changed my diet in any way. I haven't changed my exercise pattern in any way, and I've lost some weight. How do people get it? Well, they can go to Walgreens, uh, CVS, any old place that uh, pretty much has a pharmacy. It's in a gold box. It's called Dexy 20. All right, there you go. As we continue with your phone calls, Dave, listening in Athens to WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi guys. I want to agree with your last caller that the OU's doesn't have equal pay for women and that they OU has a airplane just for the president himself. Wow. Wow. Airplane. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Well you'd think that you could get the college kids behind this. I mean, aren't they concerned with stuff like that? The college kids? Aren't they concerned with the quality and things like that? Can't you get them to, to rally and, you know, not go to class or something until think. until the Both situation of them is have resolved? Tried that. I know that. I've lived in Athens all my life, so I've seen... Nobody's obligated to go uh, and attend that college, and nobody's obligated to go and work for those people, so it would seem that a, a little bit of ostracism, uh, maybe walking out of work or something like that, could possibly go a long way to, uh, to, to fixing that situation. But then again, I'm not there, and I don't know exactly what all the uh, political internal ramifications would be of, of such actions. But it doesn't seem like complaining is going to solve the problem. It seems like maybe action. Well, complaining is going to start. Unionize. Say what? I'm reading in the paper, and they have tried to unionize, and OU doesn't want them to. Well, I imagine they don't. One way to stop them from unionizing is giving them some of the things that they want. Yep, there you go. So maybe that'll okay, be their I'll bargaining chip. Give you a call next Thanks, week. Dave. Always appreciate right. hearing from you. 800-259-9231 as we continue and talk to Lou in Kansas. Lou, you're on Free Talk Live with you, Nick and Mark. I don't know if you read Flashdot or not, but there's a Flashdot. There's an interesting article that halfway down says a guy with a home chemistry lab in Massachusetts was raided. Uh-oh. And they can't charge him with, uh, haven't figured out how to charge him with terrorism charges or uh, drug manufacturing charges, but the bureaucrat who they quoted said, well, they just don't agree with what he's doing in his house, and it doesn't <laughs> seem uh, suitable for a residential neighborhood. And he's just an inventor that's tinkering in his basement. So uh, wow. they tore apart his lab My for uh, three days and took everything. So. And what happened? Did someone snitch him out? I don't know. It doesn't say. Hmm. I would suppose a neighbor probably did. Or else they probably, they probably intercepted his mail and looked for... Uh, clues as to what he was ordering you know if you order i know if you order uh too much of certain quantities of chemicals or mm-hmm. certain chemicals at all from supply houses they automatically notify the federal government as to what you're doing so he's probably tipped off that way 
Wow, that's awful news. I'm sorry yeah. to hear about that. And it ties back into, you know, the discussion we were having over the weekend about uh, the homeschoolers and whether or not they would be able to do chemistry types of experiments at home. And if there are laws like this around or if there's, uh, you know, police departments willing to break into somebody's house and steal their uh, chemistry equipment just because, well, you've got some. I mean, that's a pretty big deterrent to, to helping your kids understand how uh, chemicals interact with one another. Yeah, Pretty most sad. definitely. Uh, and one more thing I want to bring up. Uh, you mentioned the Federal Reserve being a, a government entity. I went to their website, and I really can't tell. I've heard that it isn't. It's kind of like the, um, excuse me, not the Federal Reserve, the FDIC. The FDIC is a quasi-government organization, kind of like the Federal Reserve, hmm. since it's, I mean, they're both blatantly unconstitutional. So I think they get around the Constitution by having some kind of quasi-government corporation. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes they're referred to, and I'm not sure if this actually accurately describes the Fed, but I know, for instance, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are referred to as, uh, I think it's government-sponsored entities or something like that. So they were essentially created by the government, and they're semi-marketized. So they're quasi-private agencies that were created or legitimized by the state. Strange so, gray area. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the FDIC only has $150 billion supposedly on hand, and they have about $4 trillion in liabilities, so don't count on, <laughs> don't count yep, on it. It's a little so disturbing. You definitely can't, Lou. Thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you as we go to Jeff in Seattle. Jeff, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Uh, hey. What's hey, um, on your mind? i got a question for you guys. Certainly. Um, I got this letter. I owe the IRS money. I owe them like $15,000. You do? $15, Why? Um... <laughs> Well, actually, check this out. My mother passed away um, when I was real young. Unfortunately, I was too young to remember. I was like one and a half. Uh, and she left me a trust fund. So when I turned 18, the trust kicked in, and uh, I was gifted like $120,000. So, of course, the IRS came in, and they said, you owe us $13,000. And I, you know, I didn't pay it for a long time, so now it's up to seventeen. And I get this letter that says uh, that they're going to, I guess, come get, it says to prevent property loss, uh, they have an intent to levy, and I have, like, the right to a hearing or something. So, wait, wait, do, do you have a house that they could take from you? No, that's, actually, that's my question. I don't really have anything in my name, so I'm wondering what they can actually do here. Do you have a vehicle I mean, that with a title in your name? No. Do you have a bank, a bank account? account? Well, how much money's in your bank account? Nothing. No, they can't Where's take the money? out of that. <laughs> oh, uh, I spent it on weed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. A hundred thousand dollars? I bought a lot of I bought a lot of electronics. I was very irresponsible with it. So, I see. I'm not Do you lie. have the electronics? I, went, I, I did a lot of traveling. Excellent. I did a lot of stuff. Where 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 um where are the electronics? Um, let's see. If I haven't sold them, I have a broken big screen TV downstairs. Uh, and everything else I think I sold. Okay. Um, uh, the, I, the only thing I can think of is I believe they can garnish your... Do you have a job? Yeah. No, I'm I'm actually very productive now. Oh, I'm, well, not, that, I'm not that way anymore. That, that wasn't really my question, but that my, my point with that is um, they can take money out of your paycheck if they really don't have any other way to come after you. Mm. Yeah, they, they actually did that to me before, and... Um, I guess, but see, they're so slow that if if you just change jobs every six to eight months, they'll they'll never be able to catch up with you. 
Well, I stay on the run then. I mean, it's, you well, know, I'm not going to. I, dude, I can't do that. On um, top of it all, I just married uh, a girl from Japan, and if I don't, I mean, I've been kind of slowly paying it off because if I don't, they're going to come take her green card. Yeah, I suspect that uh, they can do all kinds of awful things. Uh, I, w- I would try to set up some kind of a payment plan with them, uh, try to structure some payments so you don't keep getting slammed with penalties. Um, that's the best advice yeah, I have Yeah, good luck, for man. You. Let us know how it goes. And thank you for the call, 800-259-9231. When you're 18 and someone gives you $100,000, try hanging on to some of it. Wait until, wait until it goes live. to 30. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include updates. You get signed up, and we will let you know whenever there's something fresh uh, that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. You know, I've told you that we got the story about the people arrested for a $10 ticket or whatever. Or owing $10 in taxes. And we'll get to that. But I just came across a a pretty outrageous police abuse story that I think we need to share. Uh, Manuel Laura from LewRockwell.com turned me on to this one from 9news.com. The Denver District Attorney's Office has dropped its case against a man who is facing three years in prison for assault. After Nine Wants to Know obtained and showed prosecutors a videotape of the man's arrest. Now remember... This man was facing charges, and they were treating him like every, any other common criminal until all of a sudden a videotape surfaced. So this is more examples, um, another real-life example of why it is that the video camera and audio recording devices and still cameras are the best damn tools any of you can possibly have with you at any time to keep you safe from these rampaging thugs calling themselves police officers. Here's the story. Denver Police Department has also started an internal investigation. On the video, which was shot outside Coors Field on the home opener of the Colorado Rockies game on April 4th, undercover Denver police detectives hit, kicked, and choked Mr. John Heaney. According to Heaney, they both unloaded on me, and I started seeing stars, and the whole thing was just bam, bam, bam after that. Someone had a chokehold, and they were all on top of me, and I couldn't breathe, and I thought I was going to die. After three detectives had Heaney face down on the ground with his hands behind his back, the video shows undercover detective Michael Cordova pull Heaney's hair, lift up his head, and slam it into the ground, breaking two of his teeth on the cement. Now, you'd think that, you know, you would maybe do something like that if this man was a danger to the cops. Like, if he was fighting back uh, against the police and and hurting the cops, then, you know, then they would need to do what it took to subdue him. But... He wasn't fighting back, as the story in the video shows. Heaney says he had to have his two teeth capped. I didn't know my teeth were broken until I was spitting out loose pieces, he said. 
Keeney was charged with second-degree assault on a police officer and criminal mischief after one of the officer's sunglasses were broken during the arrest. Oh, good heavens. The officers claim Heaney rode his bicycle through a red light at 20th and Blake Streets and then punched Officer Cordova in the nose. Heaney, who didn't know the men were undercover police officers, said he only flipped Cordova's Rockies hat off his head. Heaney says he was biking past Coors Field on April 4th to visit his terminally ill mother in a nursing home nearby. Detectives Cordova and James Costigan, both on the Denver Vice Narcotics Squad, were working undercover in a scalping ring? Although Nine News is naming the officers, we have chosen not to show their faces to protect their undercover identities. A local sports TV crew was videotaping the opening day of the Rockies when they saw and videotaped the arrest. But apparently the cops didn't realize that they were being videotaped, as you'll mm. find out here in moments. Uh, producer, uh, The TV producer who was there on the scene said, It's the thing that kind of made everybody gasp was when the officer took the back of the guy's head and shoved it to the ground on his face. He wasn't resisting. It was totally uncalled for. I mean, beyond the whole fact that they were beating the hell out of him, the uh, extra step that they took was to crack his teeth on the ground. And in fact, you can actually hear the camera is probably a few dozen feet back from this, and you can actually hear the teeth cracking on the pavement. Anyway, uh, the story here says, when Pinky saw men beating Heaney, he ran in to stop the fight. The video shows that's when the officers yelled, hey, we're cops, get the F out of here. Frankie gave the videotape of the arrest to Nine News. Had I not been rolling the camera and no one else was rolling the camera, it might have just been swept under the rug, said Pinky. Before the I Denver... suspect it was. It sounds like it was had been swept under the rug until this, yep. the tape showed up. Before the Denver detectives knew about the videotape, they wrote reports and were deposed in court about what happened. Both officers said Heaney was throwing wild punches at them, hit the officers in the face and chest, and continued to attack them even when they had him on the ground. Under oath, Cordova and Costigan also denied knowing anything about Heaney's broken teeth. Heaney's attorney, Lynn Heyman, asked Cordova in court, was there a point at which somebody slammed his face into the ground? Cordova answered, absolutely not. Hmm. So here you are. With another example of the police just lying right there in court, lying on their police report, lying in court about what happened to them. They were not being attacked by this guy. They were not in any danger whatsoever. The dude, I mean, he's like a, a, an old hippie in his late 50s. This guy is not, you know, some crazy wild man on PCP, which is what they kind of like described him as, throwing wild punches. Not so. And so then they denied, and then the other guy, uh, the other cop said... To the question, how did Mr. Heaney's front teeth get broken? The other cop says, I haven't a clue. When you start raising, or you start seeing that the officers are making arguments that are directly contradicted by this videotape, it raises questions about how believable the police officers are, said one of the uh, people there. The Denver Police Department didn't... See, and, and when police have power like this, some of them are going to abuse it. Yeah. And I don't know what the percentage is, but... It's more than you think. You know, I can tell you that uh, if somebody flipped my hat... You know, while I was talking to them, you know, trying to get them to stop or whatever it is that they felt like they sh- they were completely within their rights to do, I might get upset. I can I, I can tell you I wouldn't like that. Yeah. And so therefore, if I have that kind of power, I'm it's possible I'm going to abuse it. I I think that this is a relatively normal reaction, um, but. The problem is is that they have the kind of authority that's imbued in a police officer. Yep, and everybody believes the cops. If there's no video around, then whatever the cops say is like gold in the yep, courtroom. That's true. 
And it's the the question is is how often are the cops lying when when it comes to situations like this where there is no videotape and all you have is the word of the cops against the word of the guy that got beaten up? Who do you believe? Well, I would tend to believe the victim, but the courts tend to believe the cops unless there's video. And in this case, there was. But interestingly enough, even though they were outside of a baseball stadium, the Colorado Rockies, right outside of the stadium, was where this was going on. So even though this was right out in public and there were people around, funny, the Denver Police Department didn't interview any civilian witnesses during their investigation of Mr. Heaney's arrest. There just weren't any. They just wrote their own reports, and that was it. And this guy was facing three years on an assault charge until the video surfaced. However, Nine News interviewed three witnesses who all say Heaney did not hit the officers. Huh. Why do you think they didn't want to interview any witnesses? Maybe because it would damage their case? Because they knew what their case was. They right. knew what happened. Videographer Jason Jewett said, I never saw the bicyclist make any sort of swing at either of the officers. Another one, uh, another um, witness said he definitely didn't start it. That's for sure. He t- he, that man took four pictures of the arrest. A hospital report and x-rays of Cordova's nose shows it was not bleeding or broken after the arrest. And Cordova, this is a cop, Cordova claims it was red and swollen. The Denver Police Department said Monday it's conducting an internal investigation. The investigation is underway, and no conclusion should be drawn until all of the facts are available, until the totality of the circumstances can be considered. You can't believe this videotape. Everyone in our country is initially entitled to a presumption of innocence, even police officers. In addition to his injuries to his teeth, Heaney says he suffered neck and shoulder injuries. Officers Cordova and Costigan... (laughs) As coached by his uh, lawyer. ...are still on (laughs) duty while the investigation is underway. So there you have it. 1-800-259-9231. That's, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, what, what more needs to be said? This man, if it weren't for this videotape, would have gone to the pokey. Three years he was facing on an assault charge. He was going to visit his sick mom in a nursing home that day when he ran through, ran a red light on his bicycle, according to the story. The the undercover cop yelled, hey, a-hole, you just ran through the red light, or whatever, and I guess that started the confrontation. Hey, where mind he your own business, the pal. Yeah, mind your own business. He flipped the guy's hat, and then the cops proceeded to beat him and claimed they didn't do anything of that sort. Hmm. 1-800-259-9231 is the number for you. Now then, what about the people that were arrested over a $10 tax bill? Ohio.com has that story. Waiting on this one. Deputies didn't take the Clarks into custody because they agreed to go to court that afternoon, but that didn't stop the arrest from going through. We'll tell you more about what happened to uh, these poor folks, Kimberly and Daniel Clark, on the way here. And take your calls about whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. Video cameras are so important these days, more so than ever with these out-of-control cops. It's your best protection. I stand by that statement. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. 
Uh, and if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then please AMP the show. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the AMP program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is you send in 3 bucks a month via any major credit card, PayPal account, or some of the alternate options that we have there. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations and bringing more Internet listeners to the message of freedom and liberty. If you like that idea and you want perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, go get the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to your calls, Rick is on the line listening in Athens to WAIS. Hello, Rick. Hi, how you doing? Hey, just Good. great. What's on your mind? Uh, talking about crooked cops. I live down here at Athens County, Ohio, southern part of Ohio. Yes, sir. Well, in the southern part of Ohio, down here in Athens County, we got a town up here called Gloucester. This is where I live. Okay. okay. Yes. We got drug dealers up here dealing their shit on well, the we can't let you get away with that. Shoot. Thank you for the call, though. Uh, 800-259-9231. As we addressed earlier in the program, uh, drug dealers would not be on the streets dealing their S if it weren't for the war on drugs, which places them there. If it weren't for the war on drugs, then you could go down to Walmart or Walgreens or wherever it is you buy Dexy 20 and buy yourself some cocaine along with it if you wanted to. But we don't have that kind of freedom, so because those products are prohibited, gangsters, criminals, and other violent individuals get into the business of selling cocaine and other illegal drugs, and that's why you have drug dealers on the streets. I uh, would have liked to have known where he, known he, where he was going with that, but uh, we got to do what we got to do. That's the rule. Yeah. So, hey, you know what, Nick, you were commenting uh, during one of the breaks on this story out of Denver where there was this undercover uh, sting operation going on for scalping. And you had a, th- a few things to say about that. I want to give you the chance to. Well, I've never, I've never understood exactly what the case is for making scalping illegal because the scalpers buy their tickets from whatever agency is selling the tickets, whether it's a sports team or whether there's a middleman who's selling the tickets. They've bought the tickets, so it's their property, and all they're doing is reselling it at a higher market value because they they wait and they time it right and they sell generally right before the event when an event sold out or tickets are hard to find and i've never understood what the case is for making this illegal they're simply engaging in very rudimentary business yeah it seems like i mean this is a Basically, scalping is entrepreneurship, isn't it? I mean, you, you see, a de- you uh, perceive that there's going to be a demand for a particular event. You go in and you pick up some uh, a bunch of tickets, and then you try to sell them out to people at a, at a higher rate. Sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose. I pretty mean, much every business, pretty much every business is taking something, getting it for you know. One would hope that you uh, buy low and sell high, uh, but I mean that's that's everything. If I were to buy a car, I can sell it for whatever I can get for it if i mean it's rare that you can sell a car for more than what you bought it um, bought it for but that's that's okay well now there are some things that say not for resale on them so is it possible that uh, many of these tickets actually specify on the back side that you know you are not to to resell it's possible but i've never really understood why because scalpers generally speaking, are selling the tickets at a higher price than what the the box offices are able to get for them. And is it a crime to break open a uh, uh, you know family pack of Snickers bars and sell them individually? <laughs> I don't think that they're going to take, uh, you know, drag kids out of school for this yeah. and put them in jail. And th- the fact is, they will put scalpers in jail. And as far as I'm concerned, you're buying something and you're reselling it, and I don't see a problem with it either. 
Well, you should be able to make some money. I mean, if you're taking a risk and you're putting your money out there, you should you should be able to make a profit on doing such a thing. I mean, I understand that if you buy a ticket at X value and then you sell it at X, that's not considered scalping. But X plus anything is then considered it's, scalping. It's just gouging. It's the it's you know the the same way that they get the gouging laws during uh, you know hurricanes and that kind of thing passed is the same way. I don't want to have to. Th- this ticket's supposed to be eighty dollars, and he's selling it for one hundred and twenty. But if it weren't for the so-called gouging that the scalpers do, there probably wouldn't be tickets available at all. Oh, I you, mean, you don't have to explain it to me. I yeah, completely understand. Are you willing to pay $30 more for a ticket or double the price or whatever it is you know, at the door once an event's sold out? If you really want to get into the event, at least with scalpers, you have that option open to you. And that's mm-hmm. that, you know, they're doing it in pursuit of profit. And that's one way that the marketplace um, it, it provides something that you wouldn't find in a completely regulated marketplace. What's the biggest, uh, I mean, what are the biggest incidents of scalping ever in the past? I mean, has anybody ever bought like an entire section of seats in a stadium and scalped that? I don't know that there are any uh, scalping. I haven't heard any scalping horror stories. Um, you know, quite often, I think these days, usually they limit the number of tickets that an individual can purchase That's for a I lot think. of events. Um, so I don't think that scalping laws somebody could make the case that well if scalping was legal then you'd get these groups of scalpers that would you know buy, buy all, all the tickets all the tickets for the event but it seems like the box offices ha- do a pretty good job of managing that anyway to make sure that yeah. one and the fact is doesn't... they're not stopping scalping it's no. going on in every no. parking lot of every major uh, you know major league sport out there which they is make, why the cops go undercover they may come out once every a couple of years and try to to round these guys up but what do they do they grab two or three the rest of them the word passes um, yeah. amongst them and they go what's the big deal it's crazy isn't it just another prohibition right you can't buy and resell a tickets prohibition well, so they're all pointless. It's all about control, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. It's all about telling people what they can and can't do with their own property. And as you say, it's their property. They made the purchase. If they want to tear the ticket up and throw it in the trash, they can do that. If they want to set it on fire, they can do that. But, whoa, taking a dollar over the price you paid for it, that's a crime? Where's the victim? Really, where's the victim? I mean, as you said, Nick, if somebody bought the entire stadium, and then resold all of those tickets and scalped them all for, you know, five bucks a pop over top of the seat. There's no victim there because the stadium got the price they were asking for those tickets. You could say, well, well the stadium could have gotten more money, but if they know that there's somebody out there scalping the entire stadium, then that should be an economic signal that it's time to raise prices. The the uh, the victim in that case, if there is such a thing, um, the, the person that is harmed most is if the scalper was the first person in line is the second person in line. Well, and then on down the line from the third, the fourth, and the fifth. If anybody got in line... Should have gotten there earlier. You're not a victim. Yeah, because, I mean, you can make the same argument uh, about stocks or any other market force where people can buy up commodities or anything. I mean, if if the scalpers are asking too much money for the seats when they go to resell them, then they're not going to be able to move the seats or move the tickets, and they're going to end up taking a huge loss if they're buying up tickets by the thousands, and it's like anything else that you buy and sell in the marketplace. So I don't see I think why... it self-regulates. I, I don't, yeah. however, uh, the you know, going to the, the, the extreme here, I, I can see why people wouldn't like it, but I think that even even without the laws um, in place, that it will self-regulate. Right. I, I mean, I think they already do. I think the businesses that sell tickets already put limits on how much people can buy. So you'd have to get into the world of the absurd, where you have, you know, these networks of scalpers 
communicating with each other to buy up tickets immediately when they go on sale. Oh, I wouldn't you go know. on the, the the area of absurd. They may very well do just that. However, um, you know, like you said, most it's a lot of effort. You know, most of these companies are going to limit the amount that you're allowed to buy, and, and that's just going to stop it all right there. Yeah, I, I generally speaking, I don't think it's that hard to get a hold of tickets for, say, a concert right. event or a sports event if you actually get them promptly when they go on sale. It's not a problem now, and there is scalping. And I think if you saw it, if you saw scalping, you know, decriminalized, you wouldn't see a whole ton more no scalping problem. going on. Absolutely not. And in fact, it's the and private the cops property. would be out there doing what they should be doing, which is going you know, after looking, real criminals. Right, going after real criminals. But I mean, think about it. Even if uh, if if a uh, stadium determined that scalping was a problem and something that was undesirable that they didn't want, they could absolutely have private security out in front of their stadium, you know, keeping an eye on the line of people there to make sure nobody's walking up and down offering tickets. It's I mean, absolutely could, true. Um, if if they put on the back of their tickets, this is not for resale. That shouldn't be something. Thing that you and I have to support in the form of uh, police policing. Yeah. It should be something that they have to do in the form of security. And if they can't handle if they can't handle their own ticket resale, then that's their problem. And, but to be honest, I think a, a lot of people who would be who would qualify as scalpers are not professional. You know, professionals no. out there making a ton of money. Somebody Sometimes, buys an extra ticket, right. and you know, so you didn't show up, and so I'm going to try to pawn it off on somebody. Yeah, and maybe front. if you ask, for, you know, if people are paying thirty dollars on a twenty dollar ticket. For, for people who are scalping, maybe you're going to ask for $25, and because you're making some amount of profit, even though the ticket would just go to waste anyway, that makes you a criminal. And what and happens... I know I've I've done that at, at sure. concert events, because you have an extra ticket, and it's a waste of money unless you unload it. And it goes back, again, goes back to the question of where is the victim? When If if I'm standing in line, and Nick, you come up to scalp me a ticket that you had an extra ticket for, if I'm, I'm looking for that ticket, and there happens to be an undercover cop nearby that overhears all this, he comes in, you get arrested, do I get, I mean, you're the seller, you get arrested as the buyer, do I also have liability? Will I also get put in handcuffs? I don't think so. If not, I bet you I won't get the ticket. I bet you that'll it'll screw me out of the ticket. You'll get arrested. The cop will get the ticket. He'll get an arrest, and then I'm SOL because I don't get to go see the event that I wanted to go see. So really, it just rains on everybody's parade. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the number. If you want to uh, talk, tell us why it is scalping's a bad thing because we just can't figure it out. We'd love to hear from you, and you can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three is coming up. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney, finalized a contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code, 600, to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This 
This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live brought to you by SACL CAI. They've got a full full orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one because they do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL C-A-I. Ohio.com reporting that a couple... Uh, Kimberly and Daniel Clark had been assessed, I guess, an income tax bill of $10.12, and they were arrested. But they weren't taken into custody because they agreed to go to court that very same afternoon. Barberton Municipal Judge Greg Macko dropped the charges after the Clarks went to the finance department and paid the overdue $10.12. They weren't fined, but they were hit with court costs. Now they owe the city $426. Holy crap, for the court costs? Yep. The Clarks are on a monthly payment plan to pay off the court costs. Kimberly says... It's just indentured servitude. She says, we both work, but we have two children, and we live paycheck to paycheck. It's unfair. My husband and I had to take off work to go to court, and we cooperated with the courthouse. I want the judge to reconsider, but I can't get past the bailiff when I called the judge. And when I called the mayor, he said the courthouse and the mayor's office are two separate entities and that he couldn't do anything to help. Sorry, ma'am. This lady's story is Not my so department. yep, it's so typical of government bureaucracy. Whenever you call the government bureaucrats for whatever the reason is, most of the time you'll either be put on infinite hold and no one will ever even talk to you, or if you actually do get to talk to a government bureaucrat, they're always certain to pass you off to some other government bureaucrat with the not my department line. I'm sorry, and that's not my responsibility. Likely the next one's uh, if you did ever ever got somebody who was alive, yeah. the next one isn't uh, you know it's voicemail that you're getting and you never get a callback. Right, there, and never isn't the right word. I've certainly gotten callbacks from bureaucrats, but rare. Sometimes you just don't get callbacks, and right. it's frustrating. And getting in touch with these judges is a difficult, very difficult task. If you aren't scheduled to be in their courtroom for one of their trials or hearings or arraignments or whatever they call their little shows that they put on, if you're not scheduled to be in their court, you can't get in touch with the judge. I know this myself because uh, Russell Canning, one of the activists here in New Hampshire, was expected to, or he was under arrest at one, or uh, in custody with the, by the police at one point, and uh, I was trying to get in touch with the judge to find out something about the, the case, or I, I forget exactly what it was, but anyway, the judge doesn't have voicemail. The judge doesn't have an email address, unless you like go and dig around and try to find it on the internet somehow. The, the, the people at the courthouse do not want to give anything to the judge. You cannot send the judge mail. You can send things They're completely to the, isolated. They right, really are. Right. You can send something to the case file, and they'll put that in the case file, and the judge has access to the case file. And he but, may decide to look at what you have. Yeah, but you cannot actually get in touch with the judge, which is why this woman's saying she's had such a, uh, a difficult time trying to, to ask the judge to, to help him out with this particular situation. But it's not like the judge cares. He doesn't care if you're living paycheck to paycheck. He wants your damn money. That's what this is all about. It's it sure all seems about like it. Extracting money from people that haven't harmed another person. These folks, this was a $10 income tax uh, bill, basically. 
Kivali Clark says she's learned a costly lesson and will pick up any certified mail she receives in the future, but she's still bitter about the incident. She said her children, both 11 and 13, saw the officers See, come... See, now, th- this is the other, the other thing about this. Th- they always send this crap certified mail, and then, which means that you have to end up going to the post office, because they couldn't possibly leave it for you. Nobody's at home to accept these things. It's very stand rare. stand in line at the post so office? It's, it's a mandate from uh, the, the, the people on high... Come get this piece of mail. You are or- hereby ordered by the powers that be to come get this mail. They were going to throw these people in jail over not picking up certified mail. Yeah. That's what's so disgusting about this crap. I hate it when I get certified mail from the government. It just it doesn't it's happen so to annoying. me. I, I mean, I guess you know, we've got a private mailbox. They won't take that stuff? I bet uh, they would I, take it. I can tell you they didn't. Huh. Well, anyway. When I got my letter from the town that uh, you know was telling was threatening me with a lien... You had to go to the post office. I had to go to the post office. Wow. She said her children, both uh, 11 and 13 years old, saw the officers come come to pick up mom and dad, and the neighbors have been calling to find out what happened. She said, I just wonder how much it costs taxpayers to send a cruiser to our home. It's a sad way Not to collect to city that, income but, tax. But this, you know, that 12-year-old and that 8-year-old, mm-hmm. the, these children. 11 and 13. 11 and 13. They, they could have, the parents could have, it doesn't sound like the parents are particularly wealthy. They could have bought no. them something nice, uh, you know, perhaps uh, extended their education. For the $426? Some, some extracurricular activities to uh, teach him i don't know yeah. maybe the kid could have been a football star but for this 400 dollars for the the little league or whatever it's called with when they uh, play football now he's uh, gonna you know end up uh, bouncing from job to job for the rest of his life but these bureaucrats don't care they want their damn money Yep, and uh, you know they went in and they did what they thought they were supposed to do, which was obey and go to the court and well, what else you know appear and and they went and they paid and they figured that everything would be all right. They figured it'd be no big deal that that would be the end of it. Then they get slapped with four hundred and twenty-six dollars in court costs on top of that. Who can defend this? Who can listen to this story and say, yeah, that's what should have happened? Those bad people. How dare they not pay their income taxes? How dare they? You can call in and, and uh, defend the state or defend the government people. I would love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. It's indefensible what is going on here. And, and they always, you know, they're always going after poor people. They're always going after, uh, you know, people that can't afford the these targets. things. Right. Because, because uh, rich people can afford a lawyer to go in there and, uh, you know, pull some obscure statute out and, and actually challenge this stuff and, and at least have a chance. But these people, they, they don't know what to do. They, they can't even talk to the judge. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. All right, so let's continue here. This email from uh, Fix5. Carrie, she says, I know this uh, show's way old. We're trying to catch up after our trip. And she says... She talks about introversion. She says, I'm pretty darn introverted, one of the classic loner types. I do have a couple of very close friends and have no problems whatsoever speaking to anyone, no matter who they are. You mentioned yours and many other people's problems with eye contact. I actually enjoy making direct eye contact with people, seeing into the soul, so to speak. But my problem is this. I realize the importance of building relationships with people and networking, not only for some kinds of eventual material gains, but for emotional balance as well. People need people, I guess. But frankly, 99% of people bore me to the point of unconsciousness. Very few people that I've met in my life are interesting enough for me to warrant any kind of conversation, much less a relationship of some sort. So, come up with some ideas for people like me. 
How do I plaster a new face on my neighbor, Dale's shoulders, and reform the drone coming out of his mouth into something even remotely interesting? <laughs> How do I make myself care that my cashier uses the same cat litter as me and knows all kinds of uses for waxed paper? Don't get me wrong, I really do appreciate personalities and people in general from afar. It's when I actually have to interact with some of them that my eyeballs roll back into my head and I start to snore. I have zero tolerance for small talk and meaningless chit-chat, so I'm stumped. How does someone like me grow to enjoy these unbearable moments of human contact? Any ideas, gents? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's been so long since we uh, uh, talked about this, but, you know, I... I... It, 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 there's little nuggets in there. You can find information from these people that that's valuable. And uh, I, I guess I don't know if if she's uh, continues to pursue her interests, she'll meet people that she likes that way. I, I maybe she, you know, I, I can understand why she doesn't like people on a regular basis. The uh, you know the neighbor, the 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 people that she was thrown with, the, the grocery, cashier, the grocery clerk, yeah. But having a, being on good terms with a neighbor is a very very good thing. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I don't know if you can get to the point of actually liking it. I mean, if you have an internal distaste for dealing with uh, strangers and small talk, I'm not sure if there's a process that you can go through to make yourself feel happy about doing those things. I, I think it's one of those things that you might not end up liking it, but if you do it enough, if you can try to make yourself do it and at least... Try not to dread it. Yeah, you can you can get better at it. I don't know that you'll ever actually enjoy making small talk or engaging people in that way. Try to smile as you're doing it. It might help you feel a little bit better. Normally, smiling when you're not feeling good helps you feel better. That might be one idea, but just keeping at it because it is worthwhile. Um, whether you like it or not, that's all in your head, and I wish you the best of luck. More coming up. You take control. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version and dial-up version of the show. Both sizes will fit virtually any Internet connection, and they're totally free at freetalklive.com. Travel less and meet online. Try WebEx free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx and get a free webcam. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com. Enter the promo code 600 and start your free trial of WebEx today. As we continue here, again, your calls are primary if you make them. Otherwise, we'll tell you about... Uh, Free speech being absolutely crushed in Massachusetts. This story from Wired.com, where the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority... Wait, Massachusetts Bay? Yeah, that's that's Massachusetts, right? Wait, the story's out of Vegas. All right, I'm confused now. Yes, it is Massachusetts. Okay, here we go. The Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority filed a suit in federal court on Friday, seeking a temporary restraining order to prevent three undergraduate students from MIT from presenting a talk at the DEFCON Hacker Conference, which happened over the weekend about security vulnerabilities in payment systems used in the Massachusetts mass transit system. The Transit Authority, known as the MBTA, is seeking to prevent the students from publicly stating or indicating that electronic passenger tickets used on the transit system have been compromised until the MBTA can fix security flaws in the system. So what they want is for these hackers to shut up 
until the MBTA can go ahead and get their system fixed. And then they're saying, well, once we fix our systems, which, you know, then you can talk about it all you want. Then you can talk about all the bugs and the problems that we've already fixed. And so that was the purpose of the uh, them getting this or te- attempting to get this restraining order, which, by the way, was granted to them. Uh, but we'll, we'll continue to tell you about the ramifications here. So it further seeks to bar the students from releasing any tools or providing any information that would allow someone to hack the transit system and obtain free rides. The MBTA says in its complaint that disclosure of the flaws before it has a chance to fix them will cause irreparable harm to the transit system. Now. I don't think there are that many hackers out there. I mean, I know a couple of them, but most people don't have the technical skills or know-how to be able to bust into the magnetic strip on the back of one of these cards. I don't have the interest. Right. I'd rather give them their buck, you know, <laughs> or whatever it costs to ride the, the train than take the kind of time and energy that it would take. These, these are people that just like puzzles. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I highly doubt this is going to cause irreparable harm to the transit system, especially if they were to fix the problems. I mean, if this uh, talk was to happen, they were to find out what the bugs were with the system, get the problems fixed, then there's no more problem, is there? But that wasn't good enough for these bureaucrats. So they went after these kids and they demanded that they could not speak. They told them that by court order, they could not speak about what it was that they had learned. They could not talk in public. They could not release the information that they had found and gleaned through their own efforts in reverse engineering the MBTA system. The three student researchers, Zach Anderson, R.J. Ryan, and Alessandro Shisea, are scheduled or were scheduled to give a talk on Sunday afternoon entitled The Anatomy of a Subway Hack, Breaking Crypto RFIDs and Magstripes of Ticketing Systems. According to a description of the talk posted on the conference website, the students planned to discuss vulnerabilities in the fare collection system of Boston's T-Subway system and to demonstrate how they reverse-engineered the Magstripe on paper passenger tickets, known as the Charlie Ticket, as well as how they cracked smart card tickets known as the Charlie card. They also plan to release several open source tools that they created in the course of their transit card research. The MBTA, which oversees the T-Subway, operates the fifth largest transit system in the United States, servicing 175 towns and cities. And then they tell you about how much money they make, uh, $500,000 in revenue every so single they, weekday. they can't afford these uh, few hackers that uh, right. would, would hack their system. Every single weekday, 500000 in revenue comes into these people. The funny thing is, is you know these guys have hacked the system. They didn't go after them for that. <laughs> right. The Charlie card is a MyFair Classic card, which was a subject of much controversy after other researchers, in uh, Dutch researchers apparently, showed how they were able to hack the cards. But the MTBTA uh, says the court papers, or says in court papers, that it has enhanced their own security, and so the MyFair thing is not a factor here. But apparently, these three MIT students threatened to, you know, threaten the entire viability of the system. Or is what that's at least what they alleged. Uh, the MBTA first became aware of the talk in July when one of their vendors pointed them to the DEFCON website where the talk was listed on the conference schedule. A description of the talk began with a provocative line, Want free subway rides for life? And discussed how the researchers social engineered transit employees to accomplish their hack of the transit cards. You know what social, social engineering is? Tricked them. Yeah, it's where you, you, you basically you sneak, sneaky, ask sneaky questions and stuff and pretend to be something that you might not actually be in order to get special information. Isn't that committing fraud? Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Gray I mean, if, area. If, yeah, I mean, if, if all you're getting is information, is that fraud? I mean, if there well, was no real using, damage? Well, uh, you, you could argue that since you're trying to get information that you're going to use to 
um, get free rides on the subway that you are essentially causing some kind of damage. If you were actually stealing the rides, I think that would be damage, but getting the information that it takes to learn how to steal the rides should be fully within the purview of freedom of speech. And up until this story, I'd never heard of a story quite like this. They didn't go after these guys for for fraud. They went after them for talking, and that's what the problem is. Right, for for planning to talk. They never actually did end up talking. We'll tell you what happened there, uh, what actually happened uh, here in a moment with the, the planned conference. But I have uh, been, you know, somewhat closely associated with some who might consider themselves hackers. I myself am not one. Uh, but, you know, I am aware of things like 2600 Magazine. I am aware of, uh, the, I think the Anarchist Cookbook has old hacker uh, techniques in, in it. So I've, I've been re- relatively familiar with some of the things that they do. And 2600 Magazine is a quarterly publication which has information of this very sort published in it nationwide. You can go down to your local bookstore or Borders or Barnes & Noble or something, look in the magazine section, and odds are good they carry a copy of 2600. It's it's uh, it's a it's nationally likely they, these guys uh, sent the information off to 2600 after they got stopped at the, this convention. They they may very well have done that. Uh, so so publishing this info on how to crack into information systems is totally illegal under the First Amendment protection, supposedly, of freedom of speech. Until now, apparently, now that you can uh, put a restraining order on somebody if they're putting information out that threatens the government's money. You can publish uh, other information if it threatens private industry. I'm sure the government doesn't care that much about that. But if the MBTA is having their fares threatened, then that's enough of a reason to override the First Amendment and shut down these kids' ability to actually talk to other people. The good news, though, is the government is slow. And their slowness worked to the advantage of these young uh, young gentlemen from MIT. The MBTA asserted in a court filing that it sought a restraining order on Friday after again requesting and failing to receive from the students a copy of their presentation materials. Why would you do that? Why would you send uh, <laughs> your presentation materials to the very agency that you are working against? Anyway, uh, no. Yeah, so they didn't. And so that helped delay the uh, the restraining order. Efforts to reach the three students uh, for comment were unsuccessful, and the MBTA also was not interested in commenting. However, she uh, apparently, a spokesman for the DEF CON conference, said that the restraining order would have little effect in suppressing the information at this point since the speaker's slides were on the conference CD-ROM, which had already been distributed to the conference attendees as of Friday morning. So they weren't able to give their talk. Uh, but they were able to give out all the information they were planning on giving what out. What a bummer. <laughs> More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. 
by the way, those features include the bulletin board system with over 375,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Go and get interactive over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox News stations, DEXC20, in a four-week clinical trial, participants were advised to maintain um, were advised to maintain their normal eating and exercise habits, and without changing their daily routine, 83 percent. 83% of the participants using the key component in DEX C20 lost weight, and 72% of them lost inches on their waist. So I've been trying this DEX C20. It seems to be working for me. Uh, I've lost two pounds so far, and I can tell a difference in my eating habits. I'm just not quite as hungry as I used to be. It's an appetite suppressant, and it helps uh, burn fat. So if you need to lose a little weight, and don't we all... Dex C20. You can get it at Walgreens or uh, CVS or most major retailers. And, or you can go to uh, diet.freetalklive.com and uh, order there. That's Dex C20. Diet.freetalklive.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We just told you a story from Wired.com about a hacker conference that was going on over the weekend. And in the world of the hacker community, it's quite uh, quite frequent that you'll hear about reverse engineering, where there's a product that is on the marketplace, and the hackers will go in and they will figure out how it works and they'll kind of break it down, and they'll figure out how you can crack it open and add things to it and change things about it. Of course, it's going to void your warranty if you do those things. Uh, but the hackers enjoy this tinkering. They enjoy making things do uh, others, uh, other things than what they were originally intended to do. You know, For instance, they uh, have cracked into the iPhone or whatever and, and managed to make it uh, accept other cell phone service providers. Things like that. I'm sure that Apple would love to make the um, hackers not be able to do such a thing, but yeah. they don't have the power of the courts to be able to do that. But the Boston Metro Transit Authority or whatever the hell they call themselves does. And they did go to court and they got a uh, restraining order against three MIT students who were going to do a presentation about how to reverse engineer and crack into the... Uh, the, the Boston Transit cards, their little Charlie card system. Well, they got wind of it, and they got the court order. Unfortunately for them, by the time the court order came down, it was Friday afternoon. But Friday morning, the conference had already begun, and all of the, the bags, you know, when you go to a conference, sometimes you get a little bag full of stuff. Yeah, your, your goodie bag. Yeah, yeah. You sign up and get your badge and stuff. So the bags had already been distributed to the conference attendees, which included all of the information that was going to be presented in the talk. On Sunday. Oh, so they were a little late. But all that said, this is kind of interesting. The Electronic Frontier Foundation is representing the students, and a hearing in the case occurred uh, in Massachusetts, and a judge issued the restraining order. The attorney for the EFF said that EFF actually advised the students to pull their talk. And I thought EFF was all about freedom. I thought that they were uh, out there, you know, standing up for people's freedom. Well, we're not. We're Why not, advise people to cower in the face of this uh, government restraining order? We're not privy to the specifics here. The EFF uh, gave whatever advice they gave. I, I you know, I'm not. Well, yeah, if you don't want to get arrested, don't do the talk. But you know, if nobody gets arrested, then this really can't be challenged too effectively, can it? I don't know. Can you just challenge a restraining order? Could you take the restraining order? Can you take the government to court over the restraining order? I don't know much about. I don't know the law afterwards. And, I mean, it seems like yeah. uh, too little, too late in that circumstance. But so I don't know. So they bowed down, and it's sad because these uh, hackers bowed down and they went ahead and obeyed the state, and they had their they they had their free speech successfully suppressed. Is this the first time we're going to see this? The first of many? Will we see more uh, incidents like this? 
where some sort of special government info is possibly going to be splayed out for the public to learn about, and they'll crack down on whoever it is that's got that information. What if somebody finds out something about the way the TSA works, for instance, on the inside, and, and wants to publish that information? Oh, I'm sure, that, I'm sure they'd play the national security card on that one. Yep. But they, they didn't have that card to play in this case, so they actually had it's to go get rides. a restraining order. Right. So isn't this amazing? There's just a, a bus ticket, reverse engineering a bus ticket, and t- planning to talk about it brings the court system down on you, and you get threatened with arrest. Pretty crazy, huh? Sounds crazy. Well... You know, brings to that brings to the question, or brings us to the question about, you know, what rights do you actually have? I mean, the government's constitution is a set of rules for the government to follow. It doesn't outline what you can and can't do. The Bill of Rights says this is what we guarantee that the government will not inter- interfere with you on. That you absolutely have the right to, you know, to petition the government for a redress of grievances, a freedom of speech and freedom of the press and the right to peaceably assemble. The, you know, the First Amendment and the other amendments say government cannot infringe upon these things. But yet they do over and over again. And they, they don't have to pay for it. There's no consequences usually for it. That them. much is true. There are no consequences. So, you know, what are rights? Well, Tyler emails in with his thoughts on rights. And here it is. Individual rights or human rights or civil rights, whatever you choose to call them, are in essence ideas. Many people discuss natural rights as if they actually exist and are adhered to by nature. However much I appreciate the idea of natural rights, as outlined by John Locke and many others after him, I have trouble imagining that nature actually bestows real, inviolate rights upon anything. Most people would agree that human beings have the right to life, that is, to not have their life taken from them by another. But how does nature view this? My argument is that nature is not a rational reasoning entity, but a supremely complex system of observable phenomenon that has no will or driving force, making it incapable of bestowing or protecting of rights. If you're attacked and killed by a bear, or even another person for that matter, nature obviously did not object to it because it happened. My point here is that a natural rights perspective, although very humanitarian and functional, is not necessarily a construct of nature. Rights cannot originate from a natural system because that same natural system constantly violates them. The other proposed proposed source of natural rights is God, but if you simply substitute the word God for the word nature in my previous arguments, the result is identical. (laughs) God cannot bestow and protect rights because that same God is constantly allowing their violation. Right. If if uh, if God was concerned about rights, he wouldn't let bears eat people. There you go. Or, you know, little children be molested or whatever. And if rights are given to a man by God and God allows them to be constantly violated, then are they really rights? And is God really bestowing anything upon anyone except maybe the concept of rights? And if this is the case, then the point is moot. Rights are not concrete, but simply a conceptual construct of man. So if not from nature or God, then from whence do we have these glo- or from whence have these glorious rights come? Well, the simple truth is they just don't really exist. Not as the concrete well, philosophy. Um, I mean, you know, the idea is is that uh, you know if you can apply these rights to everyone and it makes you know it makes sense. The real rights out there. I'm not talking about the right to health care or the right to an education. Those are you know, the, the, what they call positive rights are a bunch of crap. Um, but you know, what, largely what they call negative rights, things that come from inside of me, and I don't know why they use the term negative. rights. I don't rights. either. I don't. This has never made sense but, to me. But you, you know, have, well, it's because you have a right not to be killed, stolen from. Whereas, whereas a positive liberty is you have a right to something like health care right. at someone else's 
expense. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I understand the terminology, but you know, to me, it's it's silly. Um, the things that come from inside me, the, my right to speak, my right to have whatever religion I want, the right that I have to bear an arm that I paid for, you know, on my land. These are these are rights that come from inside of me, and and the, if you give those rights to everyone. Well, then it, it makes for a perfect world. So you can apply them in sort of this uh, just way, whereas, uh, you know, that, that, that's what, I guess, it's, it's philosophy. That's what rights are. Yeah, I, d- I don't think when Locke was going and setting forth natural rights theory, what he was trying to say was that there are necessarily, you know, that rights are a tangible thing. Right. When he was talking about rights coming from nature or from God, I think what he was getting at was these are inherent rights of man, and generally at the time most people believed that man was created by God or by nature. You can make either argument. And I don't think that it was inherently that these were tangible things that were granted to humankind, just that they're things that are inherently... Duty humans as well, right. Good I ideas. Mean, I mean, that's right. what, and that's what the emailer Tyler is saying here. That they they're nothing more than ideas. They they don't actually exist. Some people might like to think that they do, but they're ideas that if everybody adheres to, then we've got a nice life. But when people decide not to adhere to those ideas, then we get problems. And Tyler has a few more thoughts. We'll share those with you here in moments, and you can call in about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want, even in these remaining moments of the program. Toll-free number for you is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can uh, you can go to the Promote page. Go to promote.freetalklive.com to learn about all kinds of free and very low-cost ways to help uh, Free Talk Live get the message out there, get uh, more people listening to this program, you can help by going to promote.freetalklive.com, picking the most interesting things and doing them. Oh, also, you should go and visit Nick and Toby over on their website, freemindstv.com, where not only we get to watch episodes of Free Minds TV via their uh, YouTube links, but you'll also be able to listen to Free Minds Radio. So yet another uh, pro-liberty podcast for you to put on your MP3 players and uh, listen to on a weekly basis. And I, I don't think it's time to break the news, but you guys are going to have hopefully some pretty pretty exciting news about Free Minds Radio uh, coming soon. We shouldn't say anything else, though. But. No, well, but there may be some news coming on that front. So we'll wait until we have some... A, f- a final decision. If that. you're listening to Free Minds Radio, I'm sure that'll be one of the first places you guys announce. I'm sure it will be. So definitely go to freemindstv.com and get interactive with those guys because they've got a good thing going on. All right, we continue with the email here, and then we get back to your phone calls. Uh, Tyler is talking about how it is that rights don't actually exist. They're great ideas, but they're not actually in existence. And he points out that... Uh, at, the, again, rights don't exist, he says, not as the concrete protections or barriers that most people would like to see them as. They're merely ethical ideals that have created or been created in the minds think, of men. I, I don't think that uh, people view rights as concrete because bridges are made of concrete. And yeah. people naturally know that rights don't exist in the real world of things that you can 
knock on. You know? I, yeah, but but hold on. I, I think while you're right about that, Mark, they understand that rights don't actually have physical form. They still sort of believe that I have my rights and the government's been taking away my rights. So as though that there's some sort of uh, transfer process going on here, that you had rights, but now you don't have those rights. Well, the government's the, not respecting well, your rights. Yeah, that's uh, under natural rights theory, you always have the same rights. It's just whether they're honored or not. I, I, I agree with you, and I just think a lot of people, the way they talk about rights makes them sound more real than they actually are. And I think that's what he's addressing here. I, I, yeah, I know. I've heard this. We've been doing this show a long time, and I've certainly heard people say that rights aren't real and all that other stuff. Yeah. I just don't think I agree. I do have the right to speak. Listen to me doing it. Now, you might chop my head off for it, but you haven't taken mm-hmm. away my right to speak. Okay, well, then I have the right to my religion. You can say whatever you want about my religion. I've got the right to do it. And so, you know, I mean, I, I have the ability. It comes from me. And so I, you're, to say they're concrete, nobody thinks they're concrete. And I just I don't know that this conversation means anything. The government was supposedly established to protect our rights. It has failed in doing that. We can agree on that. But to say that rights don't exist... It's, it's, it's like saying that words don't exist because you can't see them. Well, I guess you can measure them and, uh, you know, and from an auditory. But to, to say that, you know, they're not measurable, I'd still have the right to do it. I can prove I've got the right to do it. That's fine. And I, I think what he's pointing out here is that those that it's just an idea and you can't take away those ideas but people do believe that you can't i mean whether we believe it or not is irrelevant people believe that rights can be taken away and granted okay right don't people believe that about rights um, i don't know there's i mean there's, i used to think that way rights are used in a ca- there's a couple different ways they're used i mean they're used in a casual way to refer um whether they're natural rights that are supposedly inalienable or whether they're things that you're permitted to do by law. And that is how a lot of people use the term rights. They say that they have a right to have a gun because the government permits them to own a gun. The government doesn't pass a law which takes it away from them, depending on where you are. So that's – I think it is used to some extent to talk about things the government allows you to do. But it's really a misuse of the word rights and just a lazy use of the word. So I, I, do, I don't know that it's I don't know that that's actually how people intend to talk Some about it. Some un- uneducated, uneducated people believe that the right, the government has the right to take and give away rights, um, you know, give and take rights. I know I used to say things like, you know, the government is taking our rights away, and I don't necessarily agree with that viewpoint now. But even I might slip and and say something like that well, when I don't intend. They're to. infringing. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's really semantics. They're yeah. they're they're denying your right. To, you know, if they if they arrest you for free speech, they're denying your right to exercise free speech freely. And I really think you're it's almost into the realm of just semantics. I mean, taking a right sure. away, um, infringing on the right. I think the same thing is implied when you say that. Anyway, he has a few more things to say, and I found uh, found it interesting, so we'll continue. The current Bill of Rights in the United States is a good example, uh, or he says rather, they're ethical ideals that have been created in the minds of men and occasionally penned in governmental contracts of sorts to most uh, to provide most people the most people possible with the most happiness possible. The current Bill of Rights in the United States is a good example, but if questioned, I would be willing to give good odds that most people would feel that they have a right to many other things that aren't on that list, and perhaps some would want to strike out a few. 
Rights are generally oh, tied sure. to the concepts of freedom and liberty, and like those concepts, rights are fluid and ever-changing. In other words, as permanent natural fixtures, they're seriously failing. However, despite their general impermanence and my two paragraphs of naysaying, I still believe individual rights are the most important of human ideas, and because of their fleeting nature, require serious attention and constant reassertion. At the heart of the need for established individual rights is the glaring fact that governments see them as an obstacle to their quest for power. You could almost define rights as absolute restrictions on government. Of course, other individuals may wish to do you harm or steal from you, but you will likely never see them again if they do. And if you have the right to defend yourself, you can take measures against them. On the other hand, imagine a mugger or gang of muggers that continued to mug you day after day, but only took 30 or 40 percent of your money and only violated a few of your rights at a time. Eventually, they would have nearly all of your money and would have violated nearly all of your rights. The only group of people capable of this type of aggression is what we call government, the largest, most violent gang of thugs ever known to man. Individual rights are essentially a code of ethics enforced by government, and herein lies the problem. The same thieves and thugs that constitute the largest threat to our rights have been entrusted with enforcing and protecting those rights. And as he points out, uh, individual rights can be taken away in an instant, and it usually requires violent force in order to get them back. The more individual rights asserted by the citizens, the less oppression they will endure now and in the future. Rights are not given. They are not endowed. They are not compulsory. They require reason, assertion, vigilance, civil disobedience, and sometimes revolution. These are still a few, there are still a few, a few vestiges left of the old rights that the men in our history books fought for, but they are frightened, frail little things being crushed under <laughs> the huge weights of fear and oppression. He's right. They aren't dead yet, but they require immediate rejuvenation and renewed support from their beneficiaries. Here are your rights, if you can keep them. From Tyler. I just thought it was a, an, an interesting viewpoint, very well thought out uh, email about the idea of rights and how yes. important they are. Well, I thought he was going in a different direction with right. them. You know, early on, he sort of naysays about them and then, you know, comes back around. And I, I, I'd say I'm sort of in the same area he is. I understand that they are ideas. Um, that I understand that they are ideas that uh, are d- darn difficult to prove. And you can't. Uh, you can't count on the government people to protect those ideas because they are the the number one group that's out there trying to destroy them. What what I think simplifies the concept of rights, instead of talking about a bunch of different rights, the right to free speech, the right to religion, simply saying that you have the right to do whatever you want in terms of life, liberty, and property, so long as you don't infringe on the equal rights of others, it's yeah. one simple statement And that sums up your right to own a weapon, to practice whatever religion you want, to own property, transact business. It's true, but you only have that right if you exercise it. And most people aren't exercising their rights because there are these gang of government people out there saying, no, no, we're going to throw you in a cold jail cell if you decide to, you know, exercise your rights. And so that's why we need more people just saying no to the government and going ahead and living their life in the way that you suggest. As we go quickly to Bill in Oklahoma, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bill. Yes, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, dude. What's on your I, mind? I just um, wanted to uh, put in my two cents in on the, uh, the I guess, the hacker breaking into the uh, uh, transit system authority. Consp- well, not conspiracy, but uh, situation. Yes, sir. And it looks like, it looks like what's happened um, from all the the information I was gathering because um, I hang out in various chat rooms and stuff was that uh, the government or this judge, whoever this bureaucrat was, decided he was going to make a blanket. Um, um, order for uh, gagging. Basically, in sense, he was going to perpetual, uh, perpetually 
gag anybody from releasing any information about this so-called find. Mm-hmm. So, but basically, what people were doing was they were taking these little discs that they were getting at the at the convention and sticking them out on YouTube. <laughs> and so, uh, what the EFF did wasn't uh, this wasn't EFF cowing down uh, on behalf of the hackers. Mm-hmm. It was them cowing down on behalf of everybody else that they were going to grab IP addresses from and say you violated this court order that we never served you. Um, so. You should have known about it, so, you know, you're going to jail. So they mm-hmm. kind of plea bargained with this judge, this, you know, this uh, yeah. barbarian that was a, was a gavel, and said, okay, if we promise... Well, either not- way, it was a bad result, and I thank you for the call. We're out of time. See you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.